Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get a bee update from southwestern Manitoba. Also, we'll hear from the CEO of Mushrooms Canada. Up first in today's country comments, Tyler Fulton with Ham's Marketing Services will stop by with a hog market update. Latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Tyler Fulton with Ham's Marketing Services with a hog market update. Forward prices have been um, stable, I would say. Um, we've seen a fair amount of volatility, um, you know, kind of day to day, but they haven't been trending you know, one direction or the other. It's just like whatever they seem to lose one day, they'll regain the next day. And and it's coming not not just from a volatile um, pork complex, but also the Canadian dollar is highly volatile as well. And that has um, a, a direct influence on, on what forward prices are. So in general... Um, you know, forward prices, we've, we've seen activity, a lot of activity from producers hedging um, October all the way through the winter. Um, and it's, they're motivated by the fact that they're, they're exceptionally good forward uh, prices um, as compared to normal kind of cash market trends over that time frame. But it's, in, it's also important to note that we're looking at exceptionally high feed prices. So, Margins aren't, you know, aren't um, aren't great. I think they're um, they're still positive and 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 have some, you know, ha- have some um, room for a little bit of uh, profitability. But um, it's a it's a big threat to the operation if uh, you know if you're only looking at one side or the other of uh, in terms of feed versus uh, the price of your output, which is which is hogs. And uh, what about uh, cash markets? Cash prices are are um, seeing a lot of influence recently from stronger pork prices. In the last uh, four weeks or so, we've seen um, rising a rising kind of uh, trend in in pork prices, with you know a little bit of variability from across different cuts. Um, but this is kind of a more typical. Um, uh, trend that you would see at this time of year. Um, typically, we've got hog, hog numbers that are starting to moderate, and we also start to see some stronger demand from grilling. And so seeing some support in, in cash pork prices um, is pretty typical. And so given that we have so much influence, when, when, hog, uh, when producers actually get paid for their hogs, um, most contracts are referencing wholesale pork prices now. And so when you see those, those firmer um, wholesale pork prices happen, um, it does kind of uh, move into the price for the hogs being uh, re- reflecting that um, right away. So, um, so that's, a, that's a good factor. And while you know, earlier this spring we saw a counter-seasonal move of, of weakness, we, that seems to be behind us now, and, and with a little bit tighter hog numbers and, and some good demand, I, I'm generally optimistic that, uh, that the remainder of June and July should be, should be okay. That was Tyler Fulton with Ham's Marketing Services giving us a hog market update.
A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. About 750 Canadian National Railway employees are threatening to strike beginning on Saturday. The company announced Wednesday that it received a 72-hour strike notice from the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Wages and benefits are two of the main issues. CN believes it will be able to safely continue normal operations for as long as necessary. Manitoba Agriculture says flea beetle levels are quite high in many areas. Some growers have applied up to three insecticide applications and there has been some reseeding. Some fields of small grains and sunflowers have been sprayed for cutworms. Grasshopper hatch is occurring and some control has occurred in the central region. The Prairie Agricultural Machinery Institute in Portage La Prairie will be closing its doors at the end of July. President and CEO Leah Olson outlines what brought about the closure. We had seven consecutive deficits and posted our first surplus in 2020-21. We are looking at our business model and, and needing to change how we operate. So after much consideration, management with the support of our board of directors, but also with the support of other key stakeholders, we've decided to consolidate our physical footprint. She notes five positions of the team will be co-located with other industry leaders in Winnipeg, Brandon and Portage. Testing and mechanical testing services will cease to be offered out of the Portage location at the end of July, with two roles being terminated as a result at the end of August. And Health Canada's proposal to put a warning label on ground beef and pork is being met with some resistance. The proposed front-of-package label would point out the product is high in saturated fats. John Barlow is the Conservative Shadow Minister for Agriculture, Agri-Food and Food Security. Well, this is going to be a uh, onerous, bureaucratic, uh, you know, higher cost uh, burden that's going to be put on producers, manufacturers, packagers. Um, that is really the only thing it's going to do is increase the price of, of food at the grocery store shelves, um, cause us some, some trade difficulties with the United States. He notes other single-ingredient products such as dairy, meat, vegetables and fruit are exempt. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, June 16th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from the CEO of Mushrooms Canada. Today, reporter Scott Bolton talks with Ryan Koslag, CEO of Mushrooms Canada, on their acceptance to the Agriculture Carbon Alliance and how the industry is this year. You recently got announced that you're joining up with the ACA. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, mushrooms are actually kind of a unique crop in Canada and uh, very similar to, say, like a greenhouse operation that they're all grown indoors 365 days a year. So there's really no break in any kind of mushroom production in this country. Um, But with that comes some very uh, intense and, um, I guess, high capital expenditures that come with uh, having a building that is climate controlled and then, uh, uh, you know, ultimately having to power and, uh, you know, supply the growth of mushrooms year round, either through the production of compost or, you know, the growing of the mushrooms themselves in a growing um, farm or a growing facility. So, uh, yeah, they use a lot of uh, electricity and uh, natural gas as they produce those mushrooms, which, you know, might uh, ultimately think that they're a high carbon user, but they're actually not in the grand scheme of agriculture and the production of food. 
Uh, and that's mainly attributed to the fact that they grow a whole lot of mushrooms in this country. So we produce about 300, or sorry, about 150 to 200,000 tons of mushrooms a year uh, at about, well, mainly the source of about 95% of our mushrooms are from probably about 35 facilities across the country or 35 farms across the country. And so with that, because of the intensity and the, um, you know, the footprint that they have in producing that many mushrooms, the impact in carbon is actually very low. We've done some previous studies before in the past about that with the American Mushroom Institute and the Mushroom Council, uh, where we examined our carbon and water impact. And we found that mushrooms were actually one of the best, uh, um, I guess, lowest impacts on uh, carbon footprint, I think, next to lentils and uh, pulse crops. So, you know, we've always kind of argued that we have a very low impact to begin with. And so uh, when we, as a part of uh, being with the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, heard that there was an alliance that was being formed, and unfortunately we weren't included with the greenhouse uh, rebate or exemption program that the federal government offered at the beginning of the carbon tax, uh, we weren't included in that, even though we made some very strong arguments about the similarities in our production, we weren't included and so we uh, are participating with the alliance, the Carbon Alliance, with the other uh, agriculture groups. So if everything goes well and you do get kind of that uh, greenhouse, I guess, uh, reduction, uh, do you mm-hmm. see a good future for mushrooms in Canada? Yeah, so uh, certainly this will help the bottom line. You know, we see that uh, inflation as being a, a primary, I guess, reason for any kind of uh, decline in consumption in Canada, um, but any kind of reduction in the cost of uh, producing those mushrooms, I think, would result in a better situation for our industry. With that said, I would say that uh, mushrooms are very strong in this country. We, uh, like I had mentioned, produce a heck of a lot of mushrooms, and about 40% of that mushroom uh, production goes to the United States. So we're a, uh, really a net exporter of mushrooms. We have very little imports of mushrooms at all. So if you're going to any grocery store across the country, um, I can almost guarantee you that you'll be finding a fresh Canadian mushroom. Uh, only time that you run into any kind of foreign product is when you're looking at either frozen or canned and uh, or some, uh, you know, very exotic mushrooms that perhaps we can't grow here in Canada. But for the most part, when you're buying, you know, shiitakes, anokis, um, button, creminis, portobellos, you know, fresh mushrooms in this country, you will be buying a Canadian mushroom uh, locally grown in your province, most likely. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a very strong industry. And so, you know, we continue to try and, uh, you know, be a major force in exports to the United States as we do see consumption of mushrooms increasing either through, you know, the recognition of them, uh, you know, having a, a good nutrient content, you know, vitamin D, uh, boosting your immunity, all those types of things are, are very good for the industry right now and for the consumption and uh, the growing of mushrooms. Focusing in, uh, how is the mushroom industry kind of doing this year? I'm guessing it's not as affected by weather, but is there anything else that really changes things up? Yeah, so like I mentioned before, inflation is uh, definitely on the minds of our growers. As you know, we know our consumers are being very price conscious as they go to the grocery stores. Uh, we do see that uh, you know, there has been either either a stagnation or not a continuing growth in the purchase of mushrooms. So we are aware of that. Uh, additionally, you know, we think of uh, the costs that are associated with 
supplying um, everything you need for growing mushrooms. And so what I'm referring to is the compost side. So our mushroom growers make their own compost, which is really a mixture of straw, uh, chicken manure, and uh, peat moss for the most part. And so that straw is actually, for, them, uh, for a lot of uh, growers now, being shipped from uh, the West, so either Saskatchewan or um, Alberta, where uh, there's a lot of uh, straw from the wheat that's being grown. And so either through, you know, the, the cost of, you know, increases of uh, taxes to those uh, transportation methods or, um, you know, running into situations where those supply chains are, um, being hindered either through protests or, you know, strikes or whatever else. There's certainly those things that uh, affect us. Um, but, you know, for the most part, things are uh, continuing on and, and we have our struggles with finding enough labor uh, for the pick, the picking of mushrooms. We're always in a, a net position of needing more workers uh, overall. Um, and so certainly we've been always trying to work closely with the Temper Foreign Worker Program, uh, including, you know, reaching out to uh, Ukrainian refugees that are entering Canada and letting them know that uh, there are farms that uh, do have housing and jobs available to them if uh, and with very little, um, you know, uh, need for previous skills or, uh, you know, even uh, degrees or anything for that part. So you could be trained on farm and then ultimately uh, have a job as soon as you come into Canada. So we've been working with them too to address our labor issues. That's Ryan Koslake. He's the CEO of Mushrooms Canada in conversation with reporter Scott Bolton. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Soy Canada is hosting its annual general meeting June 20th from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. at the Fort Garry Hotel in Winnipeg. The Miami Agricultural Society is celebrating its 25th annual rodeo, along with the 113th annual fair June 25th and 26th. The Miami 4-H Beef Club will be hosting their interclub judging competition on Friday evening and an open 4-H beef show on Saturday. The Roland 4-H Museum is open throughout July and August. The hours are 1 to 4 p.m. Call 204-343-2061 for appointments or for more information. And the Manitoba Crop Diagnostic School takes place July 5th through to the 8th at the University of Manitoba ENR Morrison Research Farm in Carmen. Sessions will take place from 8.30 to 3 daily, the cost $175. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, reporter Barry Lamb chats with Boisevain area beekeeper Don Glover. Oh, I think it was uh, the mite that was most destructive for them. Uh, some people blame it on some feed problems and different things, but I think basically it was a mite mostly that did the worst for everybody. Um, and I think it's right across Canada too. I don't think it's just in Manitoba. I think it's right across Canada. There were some huge big losses uh, and some big losses with the big beekeepers too. So um, yeah, it wasn't a good year. Last year for us here was about the best honey crop we've ever had, and that was kind of the frustrating part because the best honey crop we ever had and uh, end up with your bees all dead, which is kind of a up and down, I guess, but...
the way it goes. Losing all your bees as you did, uh, how many hives did you have, or bees, or what did, did you oh, have? I only have about 100 hives, so that wasn't that big a deal. But uh, for some of the guys with a uh, 1,000 or so, it's, uh, when you start losing 70 and 80%, it's, uh, it's a big deal, yeah. What have you done to replenish the stock and, and keep going for another year? What, what's been happening? Well, I was lucky when I lost mine early enough in the last fall that I spoke some guys do, uh, uh, local guys do sell bees in the springtime to, to different people. And I was lucky enough to spoke for some. Uh, but then as the, the problem got worse with a lot of beekeepers, these people ran out of supply to replace bees, and there's a lot of people that couldn't get bees. So, yeah, there's a, a lot of people that are way short on bees this year. We're shut down from the U.S. We can't bring them in from the U.S. right now, although they're trying to open that up again. But so far, the border is shut down for there. So uh, we're short a, a lot of People are short a lot of bees this year, yep. And uh, what about uh, marketing of, of your your honey? What do you do? I sell mine to the honey. There's a honey co-op in Winnipeg, uh, a cooperative in Winnipeg that buys uh, honey from a lot of producers. Um, that's where most of the people around here sell it to, uh, although some people, if you have semi-load lots of it, you can sell it down to packers in the States, too. Some people do that, but I sell all mine to the honey co-op in Winnipeg. Are there a lot of bee producers in this area still? No, not a lot. Uh, three or four of us, I guess, is all there is left here, yeah. And is that the immediate Boisevane area, or how big of an area is that, Don? Uh, I'm talking Boisevane area, yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm not sure how many. I think there's more beekeepers probably in Manitoba, smaller beekeepers. Uh, uh, there's more all the time. Uh, and a lot of them, a lot of beekeepers with two or three hives in their backyard and stuff like that, which I don't know whether you call them really a, a beekeeper. They're That's a true hobbyist, I guess, eh? Hobbyist, yeah, yeah. right. What about the weather we've had this spring and, and conditions? Uh, how is it for the bees out there? been terrible. Yeah, uh, too cold. and uh, The dampness doesn't matter so much, but uh, there was a lot of cold days. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had tough. That was a, a double whammy because the bees we had left, we had a tough, tough time to, to get them going. So they're starting now, but they're uh, you know, way behind what they should be by now. And as we head into mid-June, how are things looking out there right now? Well, uh, it's this time of year, it's hard to say. The bees are, are weaker than what they should be by this time of year, but then the, the crops are they're just planting canola right now. So um, we're maybe okay if we get good weather. We could still pull off a, a pretty good crop. And when do you get that crop? When do you actually harvest? July, end of July and, and August is a big month for them. Uh, sometimes they go into September a bit. Um, depends when you get a frost. You get a frost early September and that's the end of it. But they will produce in the first couple of weeks in September too. So, okay. But August is the big month.
That was Don Glover. He's a beekeeper in the Boys of Aine area. He was chatting with reporter Barry Lamb. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Manitoba Agriculture says perennial weeds and winter annuals have taken advantage of the moisture from last fall and this spring. Dandelions are flowering and setting seed while Canada thistle is four inches or more in size. Stinkweed and shepherd's purse are flowering and setting seed. Annual weeds like roundleaf mallow, wild buckwheat, kochia, lamb's quarters, and red root pigweed are getting large. Warm season grasses like green and yellow foxtail and barnyard grass are emerging and growing rapidly. Province says we're seeing lots of biennial wormwood this year, which despite its name, acts like an annual weed. There's a lot of concern around Health Canada's proposal to put a high in saturated fat warning label on ground beef and pork. John Barlow is the Conservative Shadow Minister for Agriculture, Agri-Food and Food Security. So basically what this is doing is the Liberals are going to be putting a warning label on various products that exceed you know, a pretty narrow um, window of you know, the higher, you know, above daily intake of sodium, uh, trans fats and sugar. Uh, but it's going to cause a lot of confusion for consumers who aren't going to understand what this is all about. He notes it's going to result in higher cost burden that will be put on producers, manufacturers, packagers, and consumers which with increased costs at the grocery store. And come the end of July, the Prairie Agricultural Machinery Institute in Portage La Prairie will be closed. President and CEO Leah Olson says they've had seven deficits in a row, followed by the first surplus since then in the 2021-22 year, causing them to reevaluate how they operate. Testing services will cease at the end of July. Two roles that are being terminated as a result of this decision, and so those two roles will be terminated at the end of August. One employee that works out of the Portage office is being co-located with another industry partner in Portage La Prairie. The building and the lands are being sold. Olson says PAMI is making a unique step with this move, acknowledging it's a definite change in how they operate. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll talk more about flea beetles. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.